I V M. Advertising is dead. It's all business now. And the journey of businesses and companies who truly build themselves to not just be path-breaking but to be game-changing in many ways has always been about how they learn to evolve, learn to look at opportunities, understand their consumer and truly also build not just for the people who started the company but truly build it in a way that more people want to be part of that mission. One company who's been able to really do that in the beauty space has been Sugar Cosmetics. And today I have their co-founder and COO Kaushik Mukherjee on the show to not just talk about all of this and his founding journey, but really talk about how they've been able to evolve internally and externally and so much more. I'm Ardugarala and this advertising is dead. Be right back with Kaushik. Welcome back to Advertising is Dead. We talked to Kaushik. Kaushik, we have planned on doing this one for a while now. Uh, and I'm happy we're finally doing it. Well, thanks, Atal Varun. I know we've been wanting to do this. Uh, we've grown up literally listening to it. So when the opportunity came up, we were like, okay, it's going to be a fun banter. Uh, regret that it took long to schedule this. But super happy that we're doing it there. Likewise. And, and I must tell you that I've been on the sidelines kind of watching... You guys evolve as a company, as the brand, and just overall. And as someone who's kind of worked with the beauty category uh, for a long time, it's always great to see brands come out, which kind of tick the boxes you always talk about. As you are part of the, let's say, the advertising or marketing side, you always see some of the boxes that you always want to tick. Um, but I think operationally as well, there's so many things to learn from your journey as well. So I think the company completed its 10th year. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, fair to say that when we started out, the idea was a little different. We wanted to build a play on beauty, but that was heavily reliant on uh, personalization technology, consumer data points. Because, you know, if uh, maybe it's getting too candid too early, but today when I look back, it could have been a bit opportunistic as well, because back in 2012, beauty subscriptions were getting a lot of uh, press coverage. So mm. it just seemed like a whole new exciting way to break into the yeah. homes of consumers who were not very open to spending on beauty as a daily spend or a monthly spend. Mm. Like, okay, mm. let's just package it all into a box and uh, tell them for a flat fee every month. We're going to give you many different brands, value probably three to four rights of that. And it seemed great in theory. You, mm. you know, we ran it for like 10 years. And yeah. uh, it's just that as other competitors, uh, Nike for one, started mm. solving the access to beauty brands over a period of time, the relevance of such a business model increased over yeah. a period of time. Uh, so that's when I think three years down, we had this aha moment where we said, okay, maybe there's a bigger play there. And, uh, mm. But yeah, I would never forget or understate the fact that it yeah. was Fabbag that led yeah. to the next bit. And that's why you know, we're here. Yeah, and, 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 and I think Fabbag is an interesting one to kind of talk about, right? Because subscription was always, and I remember this, right? There was a period when subscription was the way to go, especially Rage. in this space. Yes. Across the world, all people spoke about is that one box will come to you, it'll have a bunch of products there. I know there are a bunch of companies out of India as well. At some level, was there a consumer insight there which you believe didn't really kind of pan through across the world? Is the fact that people don't necessarily want to be given a selection, they just want to select? Do you think that was it? So I think, you know, my answer might seem, you know, boring. But the fact is, I think, you know, when you're USP on which you're building a business is a novelty or a surprise fact, it's mm-hmm. a little tough to say that you're going to be a very large business that will last for decades over constantly surprising. I mean, even Apple can't, even Nike mm-hmm. can't do that. So hmm. I think uh, that was one. The second thing I realized was I think the market size in India at least was severely yeah. limited. Because this was not a daily use category back then. 
and you know as you rightly said once the whole the vehicle of sending a box to yeah. somebody's home became common place people started packaging anything and everything inside that there was socks there was underwear there was food there was uh, everything you know something box and that's mm. what i think people started seeing through seeing that you know what this beginning to look a little gimmicky but mm. uh, i generally don't believe that beauty never had a place it had a place but i think it was so niche to give an example i'll tell you what my realization was after two years when i look back so if i give somebody a product month after month about then mm. my ability to sell or delight the consumer in the second month depends on whether mm. the person has consumed the first month yeah. or not for example yeah. subscription let's say let's say milk subscription i get outside the door i mean if i don't finish today's milk quota that i have received tomorrow's milk yeah. instead of delighting me it will be a headache for me like, yeah. oh my god you know what to do all this milk here yeah, i know yeah, i got milk somebody like, you know <laughs> <laughs> i have this in my fridge there's more and strangely you know when we called the people for feedback that you know you've been with us for four months why are you churning out you're very happy with, with the brand and with us this is that guys i love what you guys are doing i am feeling guilty when i see these boxes stacked up on my table and these products strewn about i've even given a few to my friends but it's still there mm. so we realize that you know our it's a chicken and egg situation to delight people i want to give them four or five products per box i do mm. three months of that they have 15 products which they've not used even 25% and boom yeah. it churned so yeah. in some sense that was very tough to solve and that's when we realized maybe it had limited runway so the beauty subscription let's go to the start of sugar as a brand itself right was in the initial days i and i was reading there was this article that they said that one of the first things was to really get makeup out there that kind of lasts you through the day which seemed to have been a need case that you saw so were there specific consumer insights that led to okay these are the first set of pieces you're going to focus on this is where we see the opportunity what were those first set of so on a light or not yeah. <laughs> you know whenever i say you know then these statements that sugar was born out of a need to dash and yeah. i would love to fill the dash with served indian consumer with premium yeah. makeup at a photo price yeah. to shake up to to disrupt the beauty industry yeah. which is all true but if i had to pick one it is born out of a desperate need to keep the company alive is <laughs> what will be but i mean you know jokes apart i think there's something with trucks as a little strange mm-hmm. see as a subscription business we were used to we were attuned to reaching out to other brands and saying that hey you know can you give us your samples can we mm-hmm. create products now one of the things and we used to source brands from everywhere not just india even abroad and uh, one of the brands there is european brand which we uh, we sampled the liquid lipsticks for them mm. the feedback was extraordinary yeah sometimes you see something really specially erupting in front of you you can spot that there is something different about this and mm. maybe it was a confluence of different factors that time with the digital content consumption taking off see color cats perfumes is always in a smaller category than skin care because mm. skin care is care you're not doing vanity spends historically yeah. but yeah. on your digital screen skin care dissolves in your skin it's not very visible yeah. or visually titillating right so when you see color that gets traction and i think that's when we saw that get a lot of traction and we said okay what is this about what is it about this product and mm. we realized that it was a very deep matte product i mean so much so that it literally used to set on your lips and it would take uh, over like a long while to get it off it would last really long and our audience mm. loved it so they were the younger audience 80 to 25 years yeah. so we, we we thought okay we had something over there and here's when something really interesting happened we actually went to some of our uh, now competitors back they were our business partners and we said uh, guys you can see Yeah, we are getting extraordinary feedback and that's because people seem to love this long lasting liquid lipstick format can we co-create something and we actually went with 
one of the largest brands. I mean, I mean, think of a brand if that's the brand you're thinking of right now. That will. Yeah. So they said something very interesting. They said, look, our audience base is typically thirty plus. Now, as your skin moves from the twenties to thirties, it loses hydration. Hence, we can't make products that are very very deep matte because it's going to antagonize our existing consumer base. Mm-hmm. So we have to make it creamy matte. Whereas mm. we said, okay, but our data says that India India, there is excitement about exactly. deep mat. But we were, I know, I mean, they were correct where they were, but this is not our audience, but we were catering to a completely younger audience. So we said, okay, what do we do with this? And, you know, of course, we launched Sugar with a few products and mm. eventually we expanded the range. But if you ask me to look back and say, what was that one product which really entered a, say, one lakh homes and placed mm. the land and so many different audiences, it was... Finally, the liquid lips, which we said, okay, fine, nobody's launching it. Let's let us launch liquid yeah. lips, and that literally a lot of people heard about us first time because of it. This really lasts long. I will concede that it was a bit polarizing because a lot of thirty plus makeup users actually found it a tad too long lasting and drying as well. But we said, okay, yes, but our focus continues to be the eighteen to twenty five year old. So let's just mm-hmm. narrow down and hone that particular USP. And um, today, everybody has liquid lips, but the market yeah. has expanded. But it exactly. gave us a easy thing twenty four months of free play wherein uh, we did get the benefit. And that's a great insight, right? Because you, if you go deep with a specific audience and the fact that now you can kind of go broad-based over time, it kind of helps you also kind of grow because you get that captive audience which maybe everybody is only looking at in a more general sense. They're a part of my consumer base. For you, there's like a nice focused consumer base in that sense. Also, at some point of time, you went from being just D to C to being, you know, a, a strong mix of omnichannel, like having it in stores, etc. Was there right. always something which you guys thought of or was it something which you kind of tapped into later on and said, this is the way we need to move? So I think one of the initially once we started getting some traction, this, of course, it was purely online. And the fact is, in India, D two C is a much abused word. I mean, everybody yeah. is D two C. Everybody, nobody, nobody doesn't want. What to is D two C? We don't know. But we <laughs> don't know exactly. Yeah. Now, it used to be hacked to raise funds easily, but now it's again. So it's clear. If I'm selling on Amazon, I'm actually not D two C. I'm an online brand. I India digital yeah. first brand. So at yeah. least in our book, it's very clear. Even our own stores can be D two C because you're actually interacting with the consumer, collecting the data. But that point in time, we were a predominantly online brand. Mm. I remember once we started getting traction, one of our board members uh, had a discussion with us. And, you know, we went through this phase where they thought, okay, they reduced their interaction with us, saying that, okay, now this company is going to die a slow death. And once the traction started happening, discussions resumed. So one of them asked mm. us a very interesting question and said that, you know, okay, I'm online. You know, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a large online brand or do you want to be a large beauty brand? So, uh, mm. Very different. Uh, I mean, you need to invest capital and energies over there. And yeah. the more we thought about it, we just felt that, okay, we really want to build a brand that becomes India's biggest cosmetics brand, for example. Mm-hmm. We'll never cut it if we are playing a fraction of the market. As yeah. today, I sometimes, when we debate internally, we said that, you know, you can't score more runs in our 20, T20 than what you will in our one day 50 hours because you just have more hours to that. So, yeah. which is why we said, okay, we don't understand, but we have to understand because the biggies are going to come online and start playing there anyway. So, we, it's yeah. better that we play their market as well. So, we went through the rigor, the whole uh, process of understanding what is general trade, what is modern trade. It, you know, Varun, it was hilarious. I mean, we used to interview candidates for retail profiles and we used to end up learning more about retail through those interviews because our knowledge was that limited. But yes, I think we wanted to be a big brand, hence it was imperative that we play the whole game. And I think that's an important one, right? Because oftentimes you kind of can get very stuck into, no, this is the future is just online. And I, and, I, and I feel that also happened largely because of the pandemic is that when everything went online, everyone assumed this is how it's going to be. And I feel that that kind of saw the search, but I mean, I'm guessing now we kind of 
just seeing that that mixture is important. But you had that yes. mixture in place a little earlier than that as well, right? Uh, yes, I think we lucked out a bit over there mm. because we invested earlier and made our mistakes early. By the mm. time the lockdown COVID impact hit us, we were already there in about you know sixty-five odd stores. We had our partnerships with the modern trade outlets, uh, where there be lifestyle shoppers to be in place. So while it had its uh, you know tough moments when we had to take a call whether to you know continue you know keeping the team intact which we were fortunately able to do because we had just mm. raised around but in a very different scenario if we hadn't raised capital right before the lockdown we would be we would be seriously stressed to wonder what to do with them mm. yeah so I think we were very fortunate that just before the lockdown we had closed the round of funding so we didn't have to take a very very tough call and that helped us because when the markets opened again we were able to sprint forward and execute our plans without having to build out a team or distribution again so I'd say today. If there wasn't some exuberance in the middle saying that you know online is the way to go, things have switched. I think that was because a lot of us were just grasping at straws, right? How to salvage the FY and its plan. But today we know that yes, online, you know, as a channel, I think it's like now the even worst or the strictest naysayers would know that yes, I mean it's a solid legit channel that I need to allocate my marketing monies to. It does behave a little differently from my traditional channels, and uh, I need to make it count. So. I think earlier there used to be discussions such as would we park money on digital? Would would e-commerce even come up in the? Uh, would e-commerce be clubbed under modern trade? I don't know if you've seen mm. this. If you interview for profiles, yeah. you would find a lot of people have MT and e-commerce together, modern trade and e-commerce together. And yeah. I've always wondered that okay, how does that work? Because they're very different, you know, yeah, DNA exactly. and skill sets. But yeah. uh, a lot of the larger companies have actually seen that as a you know this is just another channel. Yeah. All that's changing right now, which I think is brilliant because now a lot of sharp minds. That are going to be given chunky PNLs mm. to build. Pure digital, pure online, which is great for everybody. And that's an important distinction, right? Like you said, there are different skill sets that are required, and we're in a dynamic space right now in the entire business space, right? On one end, you got to make sure to look at commerce from an online perspective and commerce from a modern trade perspective. You also have to figure out how to build like some form of community online, which is again a, a different skill set from really going more traditional and really appealing to people, let's say in store or or anything yes. in that sense of the word. I know that there's a strong part of how you also grown as been really building a very strong online community. I think that's been a huge focus. I'd love to hear how that has really kind of evolved because you know there's been a clear focus from at least from, from a broad lens what I've seen is that yes. to really educate being the core of it. So again, you know, sometimes they say necessity is the mother of invention, right? So today we are having discussions where significant budgets are being parked on television, billboards, ADL, but the point is that is today. And we are literally doing that last at the end because when we started, we realized that okay, the traditional, the whole much abused AI. DA funnel that's there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, actually, you need to just build awareness because you know, I keep it's, it's a very sobering thought to think that for every product that I sell, I might say my products is different than the best, but in my consumer's mind, for most of our products, there is a another one or two products in their consideration set because they're like, mm. okay, I mean, nobody's gonna not buy a kajal when they need a kajal and come back later because they need it now. Yeah. So the challenge for us was how do I get into the consideration set of the consumer? I mean. The whole conversion action is very dur ki baat, right? So, uh, so our brief to the team was, you know, do people even know who we are? Sorry, forget who. Do people even know we are? Mm. And then who we are and how yeah. we are and everything comes later. So one thing which I think we did very uh, differently, with a lot of people find it a little controversial. Whenever we used to, so so two things. One is we realized that on digital media, storytelling requires very rapid creation and iteration of content. So initially we said that you know we will build a or 
I mean, almost like a center of excellence, a captive agency, if you will. I mean, internally we call it SML, Sugar Media Labs. Uh, it used to be five, six people, mostly designers. Now it's expanded to have uh, videographers, VFX artists, photographers. I mean, we have a 22 people team that's just churning out content. It, it, it's like they're in the middle and anybody from modern trade to general trade to say partner channels like Amazon, Nike, they have a requirement. They take the brief, deliver it very, very far quickly. And mostly the advantage also that it's consistent. We start mm-hmm. looking consistent across multiple platforms because the same team is doing that. Now we invest in this team and people started asking, okay, if we layer a social media team on top of it, okay, you know, this is how we're building Instagram, this is how we're building YouTube. The number one question I get asked is that, okay, so, you know, what's the cat through those channels? Like, mm-hmm. okay, what does it take to acquire a customer in those channels? Yeah. You know, I get that same thing when I hear that question. When I'm saying, I mean, at one point in time, I used to be an avid biker. And you mm-hmm. have this really bike you love and you've spent money on and you're standing at a signal and somebody comes and asks, Kitna dethi hai. Exactly. <laughs> right. That is the, such a, such a desi <laughs> thing to say, but true. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the, I mean I, I'm like, hey, wait, wait. Let's first understand the purpose of why we're building social mm-hmm. media is for awareness, right? So I can't go. I mean, this is not to say that the team gets a free ride. They are tracked meticulously on metrics. Mm-hmm. The metrics are very different. They are engagement metrics. You know, view, viewing impressions, the number of uh, you know comments, likes, followers, everything. But we sort of fought hard to resist the temptation to load conversion metrics onto them. Because see, then mm-hmm. you start being very sales pushy in your storytelling. And storytelling, I think if what you narrate is about you know, buy this or, hey, mm. this is what's good. I don't want to hear from you 365 days a year. And that to be put mm. multiple times in a day on Instagram. So then I will tune out. Instead yeah. of that, we say, you know, let's keep, as you use the word education, I think the word which we also heard for the first time and thought it made sense was edutainment, right? I mean, there yeah. is a bit of education that's going to happen in our category especially. Mm. Because the market size is increasing because a lot of unorganized people are getting into the organized funnel. And that's where the whole premiumization of products happens, which won't happen. People can buy a more expensive product, but what do they do with that? So, which mm. is, I think there's a push. We said, okay, we have to have a communication around education. But depending on the channel, the content has to be modified. I mean, I, I think one of the mistakes a lot of brands do, and in some world we also had done it, was make a piece of content and not literally paste the same thing across multiple channels. I think that doesn't work. You have a content idea, and the whole success factor depends on how you're able to condense that idea into different formats. So you do the same idea will have a, a longer output, which because we are educating the consumer who's a bit more patient. Instagram mm-hmm. is a crazy, right? I mean, the people are you have to catch their attention so they stop scrolling. So it has mm-hmm. to there has to be some entertainment with the education. So uh, I think that's been our learning. And I feel that's a very important learning, right? Because oftentimes it's so easy for a brand to say, no, no, let me talk about the efficacy of the brand. Let me talk about ingredients. Let me just focus on the visual. But if you're not entertaining and engaging the consumer in, in modern social media, then they just going to like swipe past and, and go by. And also you're giving actual value, right? right? At some, like you're giving free value, not even like actual, you're giving free value for them to kind of learn things and be entertained while they're learning. So at the risk of sounding very cliche, you know, one of the examples which I've learned from is that when the entire competition in the smartphone segment is saying that so much uh, focal sensors, so much Snapdragon speed of this much and all that, here's somebody who's put up a photo back and said that shot on an iPhone. So, you know, makeup is so beautiful as a category because you create a look with it, right? So, which is why even for our, you know, for the longest amount of time, we just said that, you know, people will see the products if they're interested to see the product. So our goal is mm-hmm. to solve how to get people interested to see 
see the products and yeah. there is no better way to showing them what can you do with the products create with the products which is why we apart from our educational course wherein we you know maybe one out of three posts are that majority is what we co create with our influencer partners mm-hmm. uh, create ourselves which is okay i mean what's the end, end game like what does it look like what what use cases is for party wear evening wear um you know office look i think possibilities are endless and it's far better than you know pushing a product because see ultimately how many times you photograph a product you'll take a mm-hmm. flat lay you take a side profile yeah. you'll open it twist yeah. it you'll run out of it so yeah. that's not scalable in my Yeah, no, no, I could agree more. Uh, I have a ton more questions to ask you, but I know we need to go for a break. I've just been prompted that I haven't gone for a break yet. So just do that. We'll be right back with advertising today. Welcome back to Advertising is Dead. This is talking to Kaushik. Kaushik, I want to like kind of switch inwards now. You know, just at the internal internal functioning of a company. If you look at the last decade, how has just like how you function internally what has stayed the same and what has changed just in terms of how you structure yourself and has the kind of people you're looking for also changed over this period of time you know as much as i would like to believe and hope that it hasn't it has and so i think the better strategy would be to hope that it changes for the better mm. but you know when i look back initially we were a bunch of in uh, it's a much abused word again but generalists i mean people who uh, with high ownership with high uh, energy and with high you know commitment integrity we would just throw us a little problem you just say that you know what this is the problem i may not know how to run a warehouse or i may not know how to produce a container but first principle thinking stays the same so, you know if uh, if i want to build something worth this quality then i will not take shortcuts i will not substitute expensive quality you know raw material for cheaper i will there's to be a reason for exceptions otherwise it things stay the same so it used to be such that a bunch of 30 people could literally throw themselves in a problem and come up with some sort of solution if you have to manage an event you can do that as the brand happened i think decision making to some extent gets decentralized and mm-hmm. it's a good thing the risk of that is that you suddenly suddenly start seeing things which are not as per brand guidelines so then there are two ways to react one is to get pissed off and say that you know what hey i need to take all of the power and control back mm-hmm. or to, which is what the first reaction was but mm-hmm. later i realized that guys the solution is that we've not really made airtight brand guidelines or recipes let's work harder on that because if you tell people that this is what we stand for and this is why we stand for what we stand for then it's a matter of whether they resonate with that because see if they don't resonate then it's very clear they will go to build somewhere else with some other brand or career opportunity but yeah. those who stayed uh, it's i think it's our job as the founding team or the initial set of people building the brand to provide that clarity to a lot of people who joined us in the recent past which thankfully during covid we had time to do that because i remember covid because we were gasping for human interactions mm-hmm. we actually blocked an hour wherein all hands we got together and we were like you know what okay today we are going to cover this is how the logo came into being for example mm-hmm. this is how our moderator and that i think helped um, you know set content because normally right now the way things are running it would be tough to get the whole team together exactly. covid gave us that opportunity and uh, i think that really helped and that's an interesting uh, one to kind of tap into right? because we often you know this is standard tendency to believe that there's a certain mm-hmm. dna that lasts throughout but that dna kind of evolves i mean there's certain aspects just kind of, kind of people you want which might stay the same just from a personality standpoint but just the skill set you look for kind of evolve as well i'd also love to know how you've evolved as a founder and, and as a leader over this period of time i think the thing which was once told to me was uh, stepping back does not mean letting go and uh, you know suddenly like 
so 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 suddenly yeah. when the bandwidth went over there i mean i didn't have to say it i mean she was like you know maybe i should look at this for a bit and it was easy then it was a easy switch it was an honest switch and uh, that is uh, stayed in work for the company but otherwise uh, i think accepting the fact that there will be disagreements is the best way to anticipate when there are disagreements and then we don't end up reacting i remember there was one time i still remember about 6 years back wherein we had a very very heated argument a shouting match and then there was a point where we realized there were like a bunch of kids who were looking at us <laughs> you know those those tennis match types and that's where it is okay you know this can't happen this yeah. was a very long time back and uh, now of course there are far too many people taking it so yeah. but yeah and i think i think both coping as well as that giving that simple piece of giving each person the final call on a specific area i feel that's so important right. because don't think that's even for a i think a general leadership if you are like a executive leadership we have like four or five people that's so important to do because otherwise everybody is going to have a point of view on everything and nobody will decide anything right you're going to be stuck yes. in that yes. process all the time saying no final call is yours my point this is my point of view that's actually a, a great way to make sure there is an end point to this otherwise that can just go yes. on forever i also have a bunch more to uh, ask you but i actually want to ask you something when you look at the entire market today and if i'm asking you to like kind of crystal gaze and look at the future what are the trends you are seeing for this entire space to kind of move towards so if you ask me beauty personally mm-hmm. right beauty, yeah. so beauty is you know there's a legitimacy for the use case of beauty that has almost i'd say been unlocked over the last mm-hmm. 4 to 5 years and there are multiple things that have done it i mean earlier i remember in our earliest consumer you know mm-hmm. feedback surveys interaction we used to get these experiences wherein people used to say you know what makeup for me is a occasion based wear i mean if i wear makeup that means i have a party to attend with my mm-hmm. body now that has changed to a point wherein if somebody doesn't wear say kohl or kajal to office there is i mean we've had the feedback from a consumer is on my opinion they're like you know people will ask me are you unwell so that's so these certain you know use case becoming more common and interesting for the industry as a whole because suddenly you don't need only let's say glossy eyeliner you need matte subtle eyeliner as well you need subtle lip shades as well not just something which is very let's say bold or loud it's more evening wear party and that entire market segment was missing because earlier mm-hmm. people thought makeup as such was only occasion based wear so this has a expanded the market mm-hmm. second is you know how do you know about products earlier you knew because of the television and the you know billboards and and print which was only for those brands who could afford it mm-hmm. now there are people consuming and on moj tiktok earlier wherein that okay what is this new brand where do i get it that coupled with cheap data course nike leading the awareness brigade and everybody else purple mint of flipkart uh, amazon following i think we just scratching the surface right now a lot of people who earlier the, i think the usage of age of entry is going to get younger and younger we yeah. think it's politically correct as well to say that you know the people start using makeup in their 18 there are you know discussion then you know talks about how safe makeup how how safe makeup how casual wear makeup for younger audience may have a market over there so i think things like these make the market expand legitimizing uh, makeup as a spend area 
expands the market awareness because now people who were only using unbranded products will be like okay you know what if i'm using a daily safety matters let me buy a at least a known mask brand and when they do that see here's an interesting that happened makeup is also an aspirational brand. so let's say today there's a mask brand that's massive massive reach and awareness now when a lot of people start using it existing users also feel that okay you know what this product right now even my too many of my friends are using it or my health is using it i want to invest in something better and then they start moving up the premium ladder so another our sense is that over the next 5 years as more people join the bottom of the you know pyramid there's going to be a lot of upward movement of people in terms of the price point because i'm telling you i was in a market visit last monday and this product of us which is very few products of us are priced above 1000 rupees mm. now in that market some kamla nagar you know market people are like ye product aapka stock mein nahi hai bahut dinon se and i'm like wow i used to think that this product would only sell in fancy malls and you know uh, kiosks but no these guys are like you know, there's a market here as well so you know i think the affordability of our consumer is also improving and which is why there's a, a massive play in this market you know towards the later part of every episode i ask my guests a set of questions which are nothing to do about work they are actually to do about you and it, it kind of and gives a different angle to every guest um beyond your day job what do you spend a lot of time doing that keeps you excited keeps you going managing my guilt of not spending enough time with kids i think <laughs> i literally so there used to be phases where my may uh, may time for say swimming or cycling or you know, just, just running but i know you you've you've invested a lot of time in fitness as running as yeah, well. yeah. but uh, uh, but i think for me i'm aware that the time and mind space i take away at work from my kids uh, i have this fear that once they're 12 the kids are going to be too cool for me and be like that enough okay yeah don't, you don't hang with you anymore don't don't come to pick me up yeah exactly yeah. so i have literally for the elder one i have five more years so i want to make that count so i try to keep my phone away mm. especially at home i literally switch to another device which uh, is only on wifi so i can i can access uh, my email and everything but i don't have this whatsapp things coming in yeah. my way yeah but i try to i don't know that make save some time when i have the kids you give me a great idea of what i should do with that second phone i have right now uh, <laughs> of, of what i should do but i work from home so that's that doesn't help it because i'm always here <laughs> so but i'll have to I, i think this is a, an interesting idea that you just given me what can you put together in an instant dream, dream. i think that's, that's super I, interesting I, yeah because normally i'll tell you why i said that mm-hmm. maybe it's a reflection of what i just more uh, my morning discussions so typically my interactions at in office happen with direct reporting which means i miss the interaction with you know the 23 24 years point from the bms panel who actually for them everything is possible mm. but they are being asked to execute as hands and legs so they sometimes stop thinking and just just do when i'm walking through a corridor i keep bumping into them right so just just i realized just couple of times when i bumped into them i said you know i said what are you working on i casually asked you what are you working on and they ask something which which is okay but it's basically a landing pad for my next question which is like mm. so what do you want to work on <laughs> and they are scot completely unaware so like you such a such a dream dream you know kuch bhi karna hai if you want to do anything what would you do yeah. so uh, once a week or twice a week i ask catch to unsuspecting people and i ask them this question <laughs> unfortunately and and, um, and yeah that's led to so many interesting interactions and maybe that's why this suddenly came up out of the blue no, that's super interesting it was um, I agree we don't spend enough time 
just like allowing ourselves to dream and not just when we're asleep and that's in all these episodes i've not had a single guest say this but it's so important for everyone to do on a daily basis especially daydreaming so. not just night dreaming oh yes oh yes otherwise we're just executing all the time so yeah and what is slowly becoming my final question of the episode is that what's the best piece of advice you ever gotten i have a feeling you already told me this but uh, what's the best piece of <laughs> advice uh, you've gotten so i mean because i mentioned it yes i think it would be that you know stepping back does not mean letting go that's actually a big one <laughs> actually a big one yeah, yeah yeah i mean there are other you know so there are things which aren't advice advice but you hear them and they seem like gospel truth mm. like of course some of the other ones which are cliched is like you know if you want somebody to uh, yearn for the sea ask them to build a boat and all of that so yeah. like, those make sense at some age in your life but yeah. something which you pick up was it is okay i'll sum it up it is important to realize that no matter how much of a study you are mm. you can't build what you want to build on your own can't yeah. so you want to build with people but we normally stop there i would ask why would people want to build with you and it's not always about people want to build with you give them the freedom respect recognition love and everything else right so we don't think about all these we are not coached to think about all of them. i think uh, that statement which i made it sort of triggered a lot of these thoughts which i you know try to make time to think about as thank you so much kaushik it's been fabulous to have you on the podcast i'm so happy to finally do this and hope to be in touch and catch up uh, at some point of time i'm sure we catch up in person as well no no I'm a big fan of you know all that you're building and hope to definitely definitely meet and catch up sometime but thanks for thanks for having me and thanks for coming on addressing state thank you If you like this podcast and you want to listen to more podcasts like this, head over to the IBM Podcast website or app or where you get your podcasts from and look at all the podcasts that IBM makes. There's some really fun stuff there.